0: Hi, and welcome to Figure of Speech, a new program from WRBH, where every week you can meet local poets and fiction writers from the New Orleans community and listen to them share their work. This episode, we welcome on poet and activist Michael Quest Moore, also known as A Scribe Called Quest. Enjoy. One, when the buzzer sounds, it's Brooklyn, New York, 1988 a class full of black and brown third graders posts up before our teacher, Ms. Myers. A petite Jewish woman with a curly afro, round as a basketball, she proceeds to spin the world back 30 years before our innocent eyes tells us that from this day forward, left-handed students would be assisted with privileges right-handed students would be blocked from, like wearing shorts to school in the springtime, standing at the front of the lunch line, eating candy in class, you know, the important stuff. The right-handed majority looked into each other's eyes fearfully. Silent as benchwarmers with no shot at getting in an already losing game felt the clock, ticking down on an on any remaining semblance of justice as oppression, applied a full-court press on our young minds until Miss Myers called a timeout on our elementary duress, let us know that her flagrant foul of a policy was indeed just a game, but that like all games, there was a lesson to be learned here, the lesson. In 1988 South Africa, through a system called apartheid, The minority boxed out the majority, ball-hogging basic human rights for only a few. At this moment, my eight-year-old mind lit up with words red as a buzzer when the shot clock ticked down and I clearly saw apartheid. Equals, 1950s Jim Crow apartheid. Equals, 1940s Holocaust apartheid. Equals, slavery. As I tallied up the score of injustices, I slowly began to understand. While some people seem to win, 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 no matter what, while others find it so hard to bounce back from their losses, I thank Ms. Myers for putting in the overtime to make sure we all got the point I'm a teacher now. I spend most of my time passing on lessons like alley-oops to the next generation in hopes that they'll one day aim for the goal of equality in hopes that they'll one day take their own shot at justice in hopes that they'll one day even the score. Two. We cannot ignore the realities of the current state of America. The system is broken, but the urgency to create change is at an all-time high. Carmelo Anthony When the buzzer sounds, Humanity is the home team under attack. Having returned from a brief timeout from age-old trauma, the game resumes. With only minutes left on the clock, the home team gazes up at the scoreboard, sees an overcast sky. The forecast is gloomy. It reads, dystopian future with a 50% chance of closed-mindedness. It reads, fear-filled clouds with a heavy chance of tyrannical rain. The home team returns their eyes to the court. It is no longer a court, but a battlefield. Half corpses everywhere. Brotherhood broke his ankles trying to keep up with dollars and deception. Compassion is crippled courtside, can't even get off the bench. Peace punctured its lungs, and now everybody's scared to inhale and love. Love is on life support, waiting for a chance to get back in the game. Times like this. Call for miracles, y'all call for the home team to dig down so deep there's no denying our drive the more flagrant the foul the more precise our shots at freedom the more egregious the offense the more strategic our defense a boy loses his life to a lost man's fear and 12 teammates wear hoods in the slain boy's honor. A man gets the air stolen from his throat and a nation screams, I can't breathe. Two men get ejected from their own bodies back to back and four all-stars shine their light on our darkest hour. Can you see it? How we must rise like a wave to lift the most downtrodden amongst us. How only an evening of the scales of equality can heal a nation at odds with itself. How only our collective breath can resuscitate the deflated hopes of a dream nearly dwindled to whimper. It's game time. All those sprints, Towards freedom and marathon marches of solidarity have finally paid off ain't no stopping us now even when we're down too much martin luther and our muscle memory too much harriet in our heart not to become champions of this chance in this crunch time of our present the clock is ticking down the balls in our court it's time to play What's up, y'all? Good evening. This is a scribe called Quest, also known as Michael Questmore. You can just call me Quest. I'm a poet, first and foremost. That's my first religion of adulthood anyway. Um, Led to everything else that I do, from educating to organizing. You may know me from doing poetry as a slam poet with the the infamous Team Snow. You might know me from seeing me in the streets marching for justice, marching for the removal of white supremacist symbolism with my coalition Take Them Down NOLA, which I... Helps co-found back in 2015, but it all started with poetry. It all started with the word, and I wanted to start off this little session of a figure of speech that I've been so graciously invited to come and host. This piece that I just did is called The Game of Equality. I was asked to write a poem for the NBA All-Star Basketball Game by Nike back in February, and so hence all of the basketball tropes you heard bouncing around in there. See what I did there? Yuck, yuck. And uh, yeah, basically that's what that was all about. But I wanted to frame the conversation with that because basically what I want to read to you guys this evening is mostly from my most recent collection um, called Sleeper Cell. And it's very relevant to the conversations we're hearing ha- had right now all around the country in terms of social justice, in terms of racial inequality and the attempts to achieve equality, if not equity. And I really allowed myself to go to those places that were cathartic for me, that were venting for me, that allowed me to get a lot of those feelings out about what it feels like to be on the receiving end of oppressive behavior of marginalization, what have you. So the book is called sleeper cell. It exists somewhere between the Du Boisian consciousness of uh souls of black folks, or better yet the double consciousness that he gave phrase to and what it feels like to have to, bifurcate or split your your, your your being into two in order to coexist um, within the world of the oppressed and the world of the oppressed at the same time. You know, he gave that lens to us back in the early 20th century when he wrote that book, and it spoke for black people. But I think at this point, we can take that same framework and apply it to all marginalized identities under uh, an oppressive norm, which happens to be a white supremacist, heteropatriarchal norm um, in America, in the so-called West. And so, uh, though I don't speak for all of those different identities, I definitely speak for, um, you know, good old-fashioned black boys from the city, Um, at least this particular one and those who feel that. But I think within the metric, within the the psychic index that we find amongst um, the oppressed, that there are a lot of access points for everybody to connect with. So I hope people connect with some of the pieces I'm going to share tonight or today or whenever you're going to be listening to this. But, yeah, it exists between the boys, souls of black folks, and... The Matrix. So, what does it look like, or what does it feel like to have that double consciousness exist within the surveillance state of to the, today? Which we know the Matrix is a great, you know, modern day myth for. So, yeah, enough of that sci-fi stuff. Let's get back to the word. This is the uh, first poem of the book, "Sleeper Cell," named after the book itself. Upon the horizon, the rising of slain tribes. An army of apparitions. Vaporous wisps of flame at their fringe are but smoke plumes from the fire at their core. Indigo hearts beat bleeding into the dreams of the living, for ether is the blood of ghosts, galvanized into electro magnetic waves of consciousness that draw a rising tide. Arisen sleepers, imprisoned creepers of long quelled flames, rekindled in kind, in kinsmen through time, and this is our season to unearth truth like treason from each root to each region of a family tree ablaze we are branches of cinder and leaves of small embers that yet still remember our indigo centers to touch us with tender awareness will render recipient senses defenseless and splintered with change that remains like a pain that sustains but bursts a new form like the earth after rains what blossoms from chains or vines old as time as aged as old sages with wisdom their wine O ye altered beasts a burden, rise from your graves. Now dawns a new genesis. You are no longer slaves. I actually wrote that poem for a play that uh, I started in years ago, called Rumors of War, which is a reenactment of the 1811 slave revolt, basically. And um, I kind of I wanted to exist outside of just that moment because even when we did it in 2011, I wanted it to be somewhat of an allegory for what I felt was still happening and still relevant into, in this time. So uh, I use it for this book because the the book basically travels through time. It starts with the antebellum right there, but then it takes us all the way through several different facets of what that looked like all throughout our history as we had to you know navigate through these spaces. I want to do this next poem because speaking of kind of cross-sectional, it speaks to exactly what it feels like to be in that space, in that room where you can't exactly speak your truth because your truth is... Is, is, is pretty much muted by the state, or is, is not sanctioned by the state. And sometimes it's your truth, and sometimes it's, it's, it's somebody next to you who's you know speaking on behalf of the state and at the same time silencing themselves. So let the poem tell it. It was back in 2014, I was torn the to Texas State Capitol. My small brown body was cast against the canvas of tall white coliseums reaching back centuries. I was dwarfing in the bleached shadows of their history. Small brown bodies like mine were but minor details in a portrait of American destiny manifest only in the margins. It's footnotes on the pages of recorded history, but right now. Right now, my thoughts are of Brianna. Brianna of light Latina hue and American college girl humor. She is a walking library of white supremacist mythology trapped in a mausoleum of mestizo skin Brianna knowledgeable tour guide who just walked me and some 30 visitors through the pristine halls of the state capitol the jokes. They glint off of her tongue with irony, her commentary, clashes with her culture as she speaks of Texas history and the possessive. We were defeated in the Battle of the Alamo in 1836, she says. We rallied back six weeks later and won the Battle of San Jacinto, thereby founding the great state of Texas, she continues. And I keep trying to figure out how she manages to fit all her light brown me inside of all that Western, white, we, how she can so easily mince memories of moccasin shoe mamas beneath the steel toes and steers, a lone star boots now walking across the marble floors of her oppressor's history as she speaks. There's a festival going on on the front lawn of the Capitol. Her voice struggles to be heard above the booming bass lines of ragged tone rhythms blaring from the speakers outside, and I can't help but wonder if the cognitive dissonance inside her head doesn't. Blair, just as loudly there are women, many of them are Brianna's hue, dancing to her people's music. I think they're doing Zumba or the Macarena, or something that English words fail to do justice, and I'm struggling to see how she fails to see the injustice in the story she's been paid to propagate, and can she hear her ancestors' rebuttal thumping through the drums as they echo through the halls of the Texas State Capitol, Brianna? Can you hear your ancestors calling? At the end of the tour, an elderly white woman asks Brianna. What does the word Texas mean? And she quickly replies, it's a Cato Indian word for friendship. And I immediately want to look up the word friendship and see if there's anything I missed. Perhaps the etymological references, the blood splattered chieftains and trails of tears. Maybe, Maybe these are key ingredients to lifelong bonds, and I'm the oblivious one. Or maybe, maybe Texas, like America, is just a really messed up friend. The kind advice grips your bones and its handshake into the bones, are ground to dust and the remains are left to mix with the blood and sweat of capital gains to form the watered-down colors that they use to paint the monuments to their greatness they'll shade you into their shadows etch your name into the edges of their borders as footnote, loser of the battle vanquished, faux turn mascot, misguided tour guide through the halls of another man's history never is foundation, is keeper of this land before hostile takeover, is blood rights to this ground before oil-raped Texas if you are friendship, then what do I call my enemies? So, yeah, I talked a bit about the awkwardness of existing in a space like that, right? In that last poem, I talked a bit about monuments. So um, this next piece uh, I wrote uh, from one of the early actions that we uh, first did around the take them down, Nola the work. Shouts out to take them down. Shouts out to the powerful... Uh, Legacy of work that activists for decades contributed to, to uh, putting us in position to make the moves that we did. We removed not one, not two, not three, but four Miami to White Supremacy in our beloved city of New Orleans, which still has many to go. So that said, I will have to edit this on the spot because of our successes, but check this out. This is Grounded by Sky, a Southern Epitaph. Knowing that I walk atop the bones of my ancestors, in the shadow of their oppressors, towering statuesque above me, I cannot look down without feeling the puzzled pieces of my past beckoning me back together. Cannot look up without feeling the weight of history break me into pieces. I cannot leave this ground and feel whole. Cannot stand it either without its heavy sky pummeling my dreams into nightmares. The ground is a haunt is a restless cauldron of simmering spirits bubbling over beneath the souls of callous sojourners singed by the heat beneath their feet yet numb to the stories in its ferment the sky is riddled in dead eyes the probing gaze of ghastly men now ghosts cast into iron who in flesh Owned men, women, and children, my kin, who in flesh beat men, women, and children, my kin, who in flesh raped men, women, and children, my kin, who in flesh slaughtered, maimed, murdered men, women, and children that look like me, I cannot leave this ground. Where the scattered bones of my ancestry lay namelessly, without tomb nor headstone, sans burial ground, much less monument and not feel, the echoes of a chorus of gnashing teeth testimonies hissing at my heels cannot stand this ground without feeling the frozen laughter of gilded antebellum. The sky, a glacier of silence, that yet speaks so loudly, if you dare to listen closely, you'll hear their names, whispering proclamations of self-praise from the perch of street signs, that hang like still nooses, suspended in time, lynching the esteem of listless passers-by, the stories beneath their feet and above their head, having passed them by yet the themes, having ground their weight into their subconscious, making of their minds infertile soil, insufficient to nourish the seed. Of dreams for the dead eyes have probed and made lifeless the soil. The bones have spoken, but their voices have been muted by the cast iron gaze above. I live in New Orleans, where the bones of my ancestors beat the ground like a drum, bang bam, bula rhythms through the souls that walk this land. I live in the South, where monuments to Robert E. Lee, P. G. T. Beauregard, and Jefferson Davis once stood taller than most homes, but the street signs. They are still noosed in the names of slavers. I cannot leave this grave. Round and feel whole, cannot stand it either, and not feel history trying to break me on its cyclic wheel. So, we talked a bit about colonization in the antebellum era, what that looked like, felt like, what it feels like to live in the shadow of it. Can't really have that conversation holistically if you don't bring in neo colonization. So, to that end, this piece is called Gentrification in Five Parts A Play on the Senses. What smells like lemon pledge bologna mixed with a dash of gutter punk funk? It sounds like a churning coffee bean grinder set to a backdrop of new construction. Can't tell the difference between the grind outside and the grind inside. Sounds like, number nine, your cappuccino vanilla milk bourbon sets out on a Cypress Hill latte's done. And, sorry man, but we don't have any vacancies for occupants of three or more. Looks like a boarded up home in disrepair next to a newly refurbished one. Fresh coat of paint still glistening. Looks like a rigid white girl's jawbones and, and her pet pitbull's snarl. Looks like a band of scraggly-headed hopefuls riding bikes ten feet in the air past a wrinkled old brown woman on her porch. Looks like the look in that woman's eyes would have swore she'd just seen an alien ship. It's like the look the hope was on bikes never give. If the word aloof could campaign for a picture in a dictionary, we'll put a Nikon 360 camera on those kids. It tastes like nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's somehow still familiar. Like your mama's favorite dish, but she forgot all the season, you know. Uh, too much everything you never asked for and when you got it, and you much applied to you. Like <clears throat> a cappuccino for the mocha versus on a cypressile latte with a side of kale. Yeah. Feels like an eerie sense of something ain't quite right, but how do I put my finger on it when it keeps slipping from my grasp? How identify what keeps disappearing like a floorboard slipped from beneath your feet. Then the whole room. Then the whole house. Then all of a sudden, brand new floorboard, brand new house, but no more. You. Feels like a slow burn that only melts all your skin off 10 years after the fact, like colonization in a velvet glove. Like, I think I'm getting but I'm not quite sure. It feels like never getting to come out the kitchen when company comes. Like, been working in the kitchen my whole life, and they just up and hired a whole new staff out the blue, just like that. Told me my recipes ain't good here no more. Told me the rest of my patients don't like my ingredients. Said it wasn't cappuccino, vanilla, but of Cypress Hill latte with a side of kale enough. Told me they got some new cooks now. But I could always go apply at the shop round the corner. Only... What well, no shop round the corner. They told me, nice job, anime. Uncle Ben, we sure do appreciate your service. Just so it happens it's not needed around here anymore, but leave your kids. <laughs> your kids can stay. We've got a nice shiny new building to teach them in where they can learn all about our predecessors like Marco Polo and Christopher Columbus. So one day, when they grow up, they may not always know when we're going to show up, but they'll always, always, always know us when we get here. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of shade, just a little snarky there, unapologetically. So, yeah, I mean that's 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 art. That's what art does, you know. Sometimes it's the best and only ventilation you got for the wounds that you can't access with your hands, with your fingers, and it there's no uh, doctor or or healer to tend to. You gotta let your let your art do it. And to that end, I want to um at this point usher in one of the greatest healers and artists of this time, in my opinion. I've had the the the, the Pleasure and privilege of sharing a stage or two with this guy. He needs no plug from me. He's mega. I'm trying to get where he's at. This guy's name is Hanif Willis Abdul-Aqib, and I hope I said his name right, but he's out of Ohio. Um, Shouts out to the O-H-I-O. He's got this brilliant poem about gentrification amongst very many brilliant poems in his second to last collection called A Crown Ain't Worth Much. This is Dispatches from the Black Barbershop, Tony's Chair, 2015. I'm going to try to do it in a voice that I imagine he is embodying, impersonating in this uh, poem, all italics. And I got to walk my ass past my mama's old house now and see for see a for sale sign they put on one of them out front here. But I tore that shit out the ground. The city, the, the, the city's still gonna get that day money though. We got we gotta be out by tomorrow night. Damn, nigga, you you might be you might be my last cut. They done took all all except this chair and these blades. Same ones I've been using since '89. They still sound the same. They still cut clean, but they loud. They sound like a bulldozer coming. These blades been watching all that black hair fall since we got here. These blades been watching all all those black buildings fall since we got here. Niggas ain't gone nowhere. Niggas ain't got nowhere to go except under the ground. My son got locked up messing with those packs trying to make money for the family. We ain't been eating ever since they built that salon for the white folks next door. We ain't been eating ever since the white families moved in and couldn't pronounce my son's name. Niggas hungry. Everything for sale out here. Everything got a price. They are gonna turn my mama's old house into a shoe store. They gonna turn my mama's old house into a bakery. They are gonna bake shit that we can't even afford. I'm gonna walk by and smell my mama's pigs coming off the brick. My stomach been eating itself for so long. My stomach the only thing full on my whole body. My girl been crying since our son got locked up. My girl been crying so long. We got a river in our backyard. My nigga said that shit might take us to the promised land. Like I know what that shit mean. Like the promised land ain't caught right in Livingston. I ain't leaving my home. Nigga, they gonna have to drag me through the streets. They gonna have to pull me right off the porch. I ain't going out like I'm soft. Like my daddy built that house. My daddy built this hood. My daddy got his hands all over this white shit. And they don't even know if my son be sending letters from jail My son gotta come home to the same bedroom he grew up in I ain't even leaving I ain't leaving unless I bleed out right where they killed Big Mike You remember that, nigga His moms live out west now They getting all us out of here Swear to God Swear to God I'ma be buried right here, though, nigga I'ma be buried right underneath the the Starbucks or some shit And I'ma be a ghost I'ma keep the hood safe after I die The OGs ain't safe The OGs ain't save us But shit, my name's still on the door For one more night, nigga let me give you a cut for your head back alright I hope I did that even a little bit of justice I know he reads it differently or better or whatever but um anyway yeah gentrification talk about it while we're at Hanif so the book travels through all of those different facets my book Sleeper Cell travels through all those different facets of systemic oppression you can check out some of my work online the Scribe Call Quest you know google it youtube it all that good stuff I've always uh, said that state sanctioned violence was but the Exclamation point in a long-running death sentence of oppression that uh, black people are up against. I don't have time to read all the stuff in here that this book kind of climaxes with in terms of state-sanctioned violence, but I do want to share a piece or two with you, and then we're going to be out. This is called Post-Racial America, a children's story. We need to have a conversation about race, turns page. We need to have a conversation about about race turns page. We need to have a conversation about bang, gun smoke, and turns page. We need to have a conversation, bang, bang, gun smoke, and blood turns page. We need have a bang, 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 and gun smoke and blood and blood turns page. We need to bang, 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 and gun smoke and blood and blood and blood and blood turns page. But we bang, 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 and gun smoke and blood and blood and blood and blood and Turns page. I'm gonna leave you with this last one. I hope I don't run over time. I got a show coming up, my first one man show. It's gonna be in the In French Festival. I hope that I uh, see some of you there. Uh, venue not locked in yet, but follow me on social media: uh, Facebook Michael Questmore, Scribe called Quest on Instagram, Quest Scribe on Twitter. And uh, you know I'll keep you posted on all that good stuff. But I'm gonna to try to squeeze in this last poem. This is spoiler alert: the last poem of the book. It's called Stargazing Under the Lens. The gaze is upon me, and I am all petri dish specimen to be inspected and made spectacle of. I am ancient skin under modern scanner, my flesh folding in forested mystique beneath foreboding eye, baobab tree trunk trumping your dry season with hidden waters, so in its age of modern wasteland and urban decay, You know not from whence comes this flow, nor how deep runs this well. Didn't I tell you I've known rivers? Perhaps you weren't listening, too busy watching for how starshine crept through me. It leaked from every crevice, poured through every pore, but you only noticed it in my teeth, from minstrel grin to platinum grill on the tapping of my feet. Yes, I've been dancing, man, laughing, man. Have gyrated hip-like knee-jerk reaction made snake of my spine, slithered out of the confines of narrowed lenses, too slender to properly Render the expanse of my being Your scope too micro to hold the infinity Within my frame Your cameras have never been able to capture me Too much Africa for your aperture Too much astral for your projection Of black face upon me My skin as dark and vast As the canvas of night itself So yes, Paint me in broad strokes of your blurred perception, your star-crossed eyes too riddled in fear filled awe to notice the details of my composition. I wax precise as lines on vinyl when I shine, wane nebulous on the clouded vision of unfit eyes, my rhyme arching back to a time before invasive eyes knew me so the flow be whirling dervish to make my space a little more roomy and them ancient rivers swirl within until my purpose consumes me. I'll till the muddled soil of my past until my present blooms me. When the woes of the world had me beat, I got down to it and made a song. My serpentine sounds slithered out my mouth until the whole world sang along. I have always been the black. I have always been the night. I birthed the stars. And I can swallow them. Whole. Peace, y'all. Thanks for listening. That was poet and activist Michael Questmore, also known as a scribe called Quest. And you've been listening to Figure of Speech, a new community poetry and writing program from WRBH. Tune in Saturdays at 3 p.m. and every Monday at 9 p.m. for more great New Orleans writing. Thanks for listening.